0: he talked to me this morning he didn't say i talked to him amen he said he talked to me when's the last time you heard jesus amen interrupt your agenda and spoke into your life because that's what he does he's the living god the son of the living god the lord jesus christ i don't know about you but this is an unbelievable week that happened many years ago on the face of the earth the passion week the week of Jesus coming to the place of the most important thing that's ever happened in all of creation happened upon this earth. The Son of God was crucified. The Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world came and he died on an old rugged cross for the sinners like me and you. They buried him. But on the third day, he rose again. What you do with that story has more importance to your life and what will happen to you not only in this life but forever and today I want to talk to us a little while about something Apostle Paul said it comes from the book of Galatians I want you to turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 6 it's at the end of the book it's a book Paul's writing the book of Galatians Um, chapter 6 verse 14 he's writing to a group of very religious people who are Telling new converts to Judaism—I mean, to Christianity, they had embraced Christianity, but they were wanting to bring their Judaism with them, their religion. And they were telling people things like this. Yeah, you, you can believe in Jesus, but you still have to be circumcised. You can believe in Jesus, but you have to be like us. You have to eat like us. You have to dress like us. You have to act like us if you want to be saved. And Paul says something in this verse that I want you to read with me having been a Jew, having had lots of things he could have boasted in. No one had kept the law like him. He was a Pharisee. He has righteousness, he said by himself, according to the law. Man, he had more righteousness than anybody. But Paul realized one day that no matter how much we do, it will never be enough to get right with God. No matter how much we had to give, we could never give enough. The only thing that was able to get us reconciled right with God to be in a right relationship was that it took the Son of God dying on a cross. I don't understand it, but that's the way it is. That's what God's life truth proclaims. And Paul said this, it's in verse 14. He says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul said, God forbid that I boast, that I glory in anything but the cross. I like how the New Living Translation says it. It says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to spiritual things, it doesn't matter how long we've been in church. It doesn't matter how much we've been changed by his grace. Everything in us spiritually good came because of what God did for us, not for what we do for God. And the greatest thing God ever did for us is he gave his only begotten son. We never get tired of saying it, so I hope you ought to not get tired of hearing it. But he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God demonstrated his love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. May I tell you this morning that without Jesus on the cross, there is no Jesus coming out the tomb. And if Jesus didn't come out of the tomb, the cross didn't accomplish what it says. So it's the death, burial, and the resurrection that we ought to be celebrating every day of our life. There's nothing we have to brag in except that Jesus did it for us. When he said it is finished, he done it all. Jesus paid it all. And I like how this explains where Paul said, I have been crucified to the world. Paul said, man, I'm crucified to the world. The world doesn't interest me anymore. The world is not what I'm after. But the world ain't after me no more either. It ain't interested in me. Have you noticed when you get right with God and God moves into your life, the world's not what it used to be. And the world doesn't think what it used to think about you. And friends, I don't know about you, but this is a wonderful verse to preach about this morning. And I just want to take some time. To remind you of the cross and just how much we sometimes forget and take for granted. Paul said the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It was foolish to the Jews, the religious, most religious people ever been on the face of the earth. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Not only was Jesus raised from the dead, I got raised from the dead one day. I was like everybody else, dead to God, dead to the things of God. Didn't even have a hunger and thirst for what the Bible had to say. Didn't even know how to pray unless it was selfishness, just telling God, bless me, bless me, fix me, make this go away. But when I got saved by the grace of God and I came to Calvary, life changed. The power of God came into your life through the cross of Calvary. And friends, I don't know about you, but I can't think about this old song without it being personal anymore. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Think about them good old words. They don't write them like that no more. The emblem of suffering and shame. And that writer said, and I love that old cross for the dearest and best, Jesus himself, for a world of lost sinners was slain and you know what the chorus is y'all know it i will cherish the old rugged cross i'd sing today but i've been talking to jody too much my voice is out till my trophies at last i lay by i will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown i want to talk to us about the glory of the cross this morning, a little while. And I want to take it from the Apostle Paul's life. Friends, if there's one thing I can tell you, Paul could only boast in the cross because he knew the person of the cross. I'm going to give you my points first off. He knew the purpose of the cross and he knew the power of the cross. You say, well, who's the person of the cross? I know y'all all say Jesus. Everybody knows Jesus was the person nailed to the cross, not a cross, but Jesus is the Redeemer. And everybody says the purpose of the cross, he died for my sins. Well, why did he have to die for our sins? To reconcile us because we were separated from God. And then finally, y'all ought to know what the power of the cross is, the resurrection. And I want to preach to us a little while. I want you to think about this. Paul knew the person on the cross was the only reason he had anything to boast about. You may have some things you've done and you may be a good Baptist and, You may have changed a lot since you met Jesus. But friends, nothing will ever take the place of the fact that Jesus died for us. He is our Redeemer. If you want to, you can turn with me here. Hold your place. We're going to come back to Galatians in and out. But I want to read something to you that comes from the Psalms before I read this part to you. The psalmist said this in Psalm 49, verse 6. Those who trust in their wealth And boast in the multitude of their riches. Your riches don't have to be money. Sometimes your riches can be anything you're proud of. It can be your religion. It can be your goodness. It can be your benefits that you have for being who you are and where you come from. But he says right here, those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is costly. You ever listen to that? Thought about that? None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of their souls is costly, and it shall cease forever that he should continue to live eternally. No one's going to experience eternal life without a redeemer. Paul's but Peter said it this way knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold or your aimless conduct, your religious activity, but or the tradition of your fathers. Your religious background's not going to save you. But what was we redeemed with? With the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Friends, there's never been anyone who could be the Redeemer, but Jesus, because he's the only one who ever walked the earth for 33 years and never sinned. When he went to the cross, he was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. John the Baptist, who was here to prepare the way, soon as the Holy Spirit revealed to him by descending on Jesus that he was the true Messiah, the first thing John said to his disciples was behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That was Jesus' destiny before the foundation of the world. The next verse after that last one there, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, says he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Before God formed the dust and made Adam and breathed life into him, already it was foreordained for Jesus to go to the cross. The cross wasn't a, uh uh-oh, what we're going to do now, plan B. The cross always has been and always will be the only plan to save us through the Redeemer that was set on that cross for us. And Paul understood what it was like to know Christ personally. Paul writes, if you want to come back to where we were, this is in Galatians because we're going to have some on the screen. But Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, He says, but when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come, when everything was ready so that we would be able to receive it, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born of Mary, born under the law. He was one of us. He was a man. He was human. He was under the law, but he lived above the law. He never transgressed. He never trespassed against God's law. And so he was worthy to pay the price for our transgressions that we couldn't pay. That's what he sent him to do, to redeem those who were under the law. Everybody here is under the law. You say, well, I don't know if I'm under the law. Yes, you are, whether you like it or not. And everyone's broke the law. There's not a person here who hasn't done something they shouldn't have done. And so because of that, we were separated from God. Why? So that we might receive the adoption now as sons. Friends, Jesus came to save sinners. What did saving sinners do? It reconciles us. It redeems us first. It pays the price that we couldn't pay. You say, well, what did it take for Jesus to pay that price? Well, man, I don't know if you take time to think about it, but when I look at Isaiah 53, verse 5, Isaiah, from the prophetic inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes Jesus' death. And his life in a way that I knew a Jew who was a saved Jew his name was Robert Brown he grew up in um in Chicago and he was raised Jewish but he converted to Judaism and he became what they call a messianic Jew and he had a heart to reach the Jews who did not know Jesus and believe Jesus was Messiah and he asked one time to use our church when I was at Madisonville and they were using that church on Saturday to have their service and He told me, he said, you know, I got to know him. And I asked him one day, I said, well, what do the Jews do with Isaiah 53? He said, it doesn't exist. You never hear it brought up in synagogue. You know why? (laughs) Because they can't explain in a way that it perfectly describes what Jesus did as the true Messiah because listen what it says. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. That's what it took to satisfy the holiness of God, to appease the wrath of that holiness against sinfulness and, and us doing things that brought us under the law. Guilty of law. Now, if you don't think you're under the law, how many of you ever been to court? Not to watch it, but to participate in the system. Any of you ever been to court? You might not think, but if you get caught in Greenwood speeding, I promise you, you will pay that ticket. And you can afford that. But you see, what we owe Jesus, God, none of us could pay but Jesus. And we've all lied. If you say I ain't lied, you need to get right right now. You just did. If you say you've never done anything, you never stole. I told some kids one time, they told me at church, we ain't never stole. I said, have you ever cheated on your homework? Oh, yeah, but that's not stealing. You stole that work. That wasn't yours. You stole. They was looking. We stole. We've done everything. But it only takes one to be under the law and hopelessly in debt and never be able to save yourself. I like what Paul says in the book of Galatians. If you go back with me to chapter 2, this is what he says in this little book. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. But I want you to notice what he says in the verse below that one. In Galatians two twenty, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. and It is no longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Look at here, here's the cross. Who loved me and gave himself for me. But look at the next verse. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, being good, keeping the things of God, being a good Jew, he said, then Christ died in vain. If we could be good enough on our own to keep the law, God would never have put his son through what he put him through. And Paul says, so I do not set aside the grace of God. I understand that I have crucified with Christ. And now Christ lives within me. I don't know about y'all, but why was it so important that we be redeemed? Because we're separated from God. Not only is he our redeemer, I'll get to the right place in a minute, but he's the one who reconciles us. Do you remember what it was like? to try to read the Bible before you got saved? Do you remember what going to church was like outside of Christ? I don't know of too many people who enjoys church that wants to be a part of church before they got Jesus in their heart or are faithful to the things of God. You see, we were separated from God. And friends, listen, when Jesus redeemed us. He paid that price and he made that reconciliation possible. Paul said right here, for it pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Guys, I don't know if you understand this, but we are not at peace with God till we come to Jesus and are saved, and he done it through his cross. Over and over it says that. I could put many more verses up this morning, but look at what he says here. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's writing there in context to Gentiles like me and you. He's writing to Gentiles. The Jews had access to God in the Old Testament. They were the chosen people of God. They were given the sacrificial system, the Levitical priesthood, the Messiah came through them and for them. But we were separated. But he says, but in Christ Jesus, those who were once far off had been brought near by the blood of Christ, the cross, and that he might reconcile them both, both Jew and Gentile, to God through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. Did you realize that we were at enmity with God? Friends, if you was to die outside of Jesus, There is enmity between you. You're looked at as an enemy. Now, you might say, I don't think that there would be enmity between me and God. God loves us. Yes, he does. But my wife loves me, and I love my wife. Have you ever transgressed and messed up and sat at a table when there's hard feelings between you? I can promise you husbands and wives, not only because of me and that woman's experience, but because of being a pastor for three churches in 20-some years, that y'all get where enmity is between y'all. People who said, I do, till death do us part. I love them with all my heart. Emity can get between you. And friends, when enmity gets between you, your relationship is struggling. It's not to what it's supposed to be. It's not what it was committed to be. You see, when you get married, you think the honeymoon's going to last forever. And it should. But if you don't maintain that relationship and you're not a good husband and she's not a good wife, I'm not saying a perfect husband or perfect wife, but you are the type of husband that the Bible says we're supposed to be, you're going to have trouble, my friend. And enmity comes in. And friends, today, because we are not good children of God without Jesus' help, we've all been separated. Look at what the Bible says right here. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. We don't like to look at ourselves as former enemies of God. But friends, listen, if you reject Jesus Christ, you reject the plan of salvation, you said, I don't want to have anything to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I don't want to be born again. I don't want to be forgiven. I don't want God to be my spiritual father. I just want to live on earth for myself and do what I want to do. Go right ahead. But just remember, you'll die unreconciled. Look at what he says. He says, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only did he die for us, but now he lives for us. And look at what he says, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. I don't know about y'all, but when I lay down at night, sometimes I'll say, Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up today. I may feel bad about something I've done, but I don't feel condemned anymore. How about you? It's a wonderful thing to be reconciled to God, to be at peace with the Lord. And friends, that's what he died for us for on the cross, to reconcile us to the Father. And today you may be in here and you may know about Jesus and you may have head knowledge and an understanding of the gospel, but until you believe it and trust it with your heart and you repent and turn to Christ by faith, you will stay outside of the grace that saved us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And friends, I don't know about you, but being reconciled is a life-changing experience. When God comes into your life and he's able to be able to to speak to you. I don't know about y'all, but the Bible changed after I got saved. Amen? I tried to read it lost. Church saved. There was nothing more boring than going to the church I grew up when I was a kid. I grew up going to the Catholic church, and I'm not putting down on the Catholic church, but I'm here to tell you from personal testimony, I know why they make you stand up and kneel down and get up so many times during the service. It's to keep you awake. He's, he knows what I'm talking about. And I, I used to listen to all that mess and listen to that stuff. And you go confess your sins to a priest. I confessed to the priest. He told me to say ten Hail Marys and ten Our Fathers. I didn't feel no different. Because now we have been reconciled to God. We don't need a priest. Jesus is our priest. We have been connected to the Father through the Son. And we are in a perfect union with God. Not only did we have a perfect relationship with the Father, we had the relationship with, through the Son but the Holy Spirit himself lives in us. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And man, that's a life-changing experience. That's what happens when you get reconciled. Jesus wants to be a part of your life so much that he gave his life. The Father loved you so much that not only did he send Jesus to die on the cross, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in your heart. And you can't live without the Holy Spirit in you for a certain amount of time on this earth. And all of a sudden, you get right with God. You get saved. The power of the cross comes upon you, washes you, cleanses you, redeems you, forgives you, and reconciles you. And God moves in and you not be a different animal, my friend. It's called anything in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. If anybody walks out of here rejecting Jesus, it's because you don't want him. Because he wants you. He loves you. He cares for you. He'll save you. And he'll do it right now if you're willing to let him. That's Why he gave his life to redeem you, to pay the price you couldn't pay, to reconcile you. And it doesn't matter how many sins you've committed, his grace is greater than your sin. His love is greater than your failures. And so, friends, I want to remind you this morning, before we get to the best part of this message, I'm ready I'm going to calm down a little bit. Because the best thing is the resurrection, amen? I don't know about you, but I deserve to rot in the grave for all of eternity, amen? I deserve to go to hell, to be condemned and separated away from God. But because of a redeemer, because we've been reconciled, there's a coming something you don't even have an inkling about. You think you know, but you don't know nothing. The resurrection, (laughs) the power of the cross. Paul knew the power of the cross. Do you ever notice every time the resurrection is mentioned, power is mentioned with it? Out of all the things Jesus done, out of the miracles, he, he caused crippled people to walk, deaf people to hear, blind people to see. He fed hungry people with just a few pieces of food. He did miracle after miracle, but none of those signs have any comparison to the glory of his greatest sign. When he was asked by his people, the Jews, to perform us a miracle and give us a sign, he said, you worthless, that's what he called them, generation. No sign will be given to you but the sign of Jonah in the fish, and just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, the Son of Man will be three days in the face in the earth. But on the third day, I will rise again. He said, "Destroy this temple; and in three days, I'll raise it up." Talking about his body, and the Bible says right here concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh. According to the flesh, Jesus's heritage, his kinfolk, was King David. But look at what he says. But he was declared to be the son of God with power. What kind of power? According to the Holy Spirit of holiness. And what did he do? He raised him from the dead. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest proof of who he is. Jesus said, kill me, and on three days I'll raise up. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but out of all the things Jesus did, I'm impressed with the resurrection. Amen? But I'm also going to... Look to it as my hope. I don't know of a better way to leave this earth than the resurrection. And friends, you can say what you want. No one realizes the power of the resurrection till you realize the power of death. Until you stand over a loved one that you love with all your heart and you look at them and you would give anything to hear them say your name again, to hear them and see them be a part of your life again, and you realize how powerless we are to death, you don't know how powerful the resurrection to life really is. And friends, listen, the apostles, they did not believe Jesus was going to be rose from the dead. When he died, they were all hiding in the upper room. The ladies, they went back to the tomb on that Sunday morning like this morning, They didn't go down there to go say hello and shake hands. They went down there with the things to finish and complete his burial. They went down there to finish to burying him, and the rock was rolled away. And it freaked them out. They ran back to Peter. Peter ran. They ran in the tomb. They were shocked, my friend. They were so shocked that they never denied him again. They never backed down again. They didn't go hiding in rooms after they seen Jesus. Look at what the Bible says. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them. Everywhere you see people in the New Testament talking about the resurrection, you see them talking about power. Look what Paul said. I love this verse. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Do you know that? Because guess what? The power of his resurrection already starts when you get saved. It doesn't start when you go to heaven. Look at what he says. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Do y'all ever think about how that right there is speaking about the cross, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death so that you might be able to know him in the power of his resurrection and attain to the resurrection of the dead. Friends, until there's been a funeral, there's not going to be a resurrection. And friends, I don't know about you, but we're just as connected to the death and the cross as we are to life and the resurrection. How many of you ever thought about the two things that Jesus gave us to do at church? The two ordinances that we are to practice on a regular basis. What are they? The communion meal, the Lord's Supper, and baptism. We are to do those until he comes. What is the communion meal? It's a remembrance of his death, his sacrifice, his blood, and his body being broken on the cross and we are to do that on a regular basis. We're going to have baptisms in a couple of weeks and we're going to do the Lord's Supper at the same time. We're going to do them both and I got a message so I don't want to get into it too much but I want you to think about it. The, 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 the Lord's Supper is a constant identifying and remembering and illustrating the death of Jesus on the cross. You know what baptism is? The baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection in a true believer's life that's born again, that's trusted Jesus. Listen to me and turn with me here to Romans chapter 6. We ain't going to stay here long. But listen what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. Look at verse 4, I mean verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Friends, you can't just experience the resurrection without also experiencing his death. Look at what he says in verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. That doesn't mean when you go to heaven. And look at verse 5 and let this one sink in. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. If you've come to the cross and admitted you're a sinner and trusted by faith Jesus' death for you, being your redeemer in reconciling, and you've believed that, look at what he says, verse 5. For if when we were united together in the likeness of his death, certainly you shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this... That our old man was crucified with him, the old man, before Jesus, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You know what baptism is? It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When you get in that baptismal tank, it's a picture of what Jesus did in your heart. The old you, the old man, the old Marvin, before Jesus has died if you came to Calvary. And as you stand in that tank, you're being laid to rest in that watery grave. You're going under that water as a symbolism of Jesus' death and his burial being connected to your life. And as you go under that water, it's an awesome experience when you're saved, amen, and you're doing that. You never forget it. And as he comes up out of that, that's the resurrection. You're being raised, he just said it, to walk in the newness of life. And if you met Jesus, you won't be to say, water won't change you, but cross Cal- and Calvary does. And friends, that's what it is. It's a picture of that. And the resurrection starts, that's what Paul's saying, that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, that I might experience Jesus' resurrection power in my life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Friends, listen to this. This comes from Peter. The hope of the resurrection, Peter said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. Friends, y'all have heard being born again. That's not just something that we say. That's what God does when you're saved. You were dead in your sins. You were made alive in Christ, and he's been given life. Look what he says, to a living hope. And how did he do that? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This morning, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and what God has done in our life, we have a living hope. I don't know about y'all. Sometimes my hope is little, but it's always there. Amen. And I don't know what you're thinking on, but I'm thankful that my hope is not in me. It's not in church. It's not in anything but what God has done in our life. And that living hope is an important thing to have because we're going to face death one day. That was in in the Bible, one of my favorite stories. I use it in funerals all the time. And it reminds me so much of every day being a pastor, doing funerals. There was three people, two sisters and a brother. Y'all all know Miss Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Lazarus got sick. How many of you had a loved one got sick? You prayed, where's Jesus? Jesus, please come. Jesus, heal my loved one. But Jesus waited. He waited till he knew Lazarus was dead. And then he shows up, Lazarus being in the tomb for four days. Four days. And Mary and Martha are praying, mourning over their brother. And Martha hears that Jesus has come, so she runs out to meet him. And she says what many of us has thought, Jesus, if you'd have been here, you could have healed my brother. How many of you have just thought that? Jesus, you could have kept my loved one alive. And Jesus looked at her and he said, your brother will rise again. And you know what Martha says to Jesus? She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last days. But Jesus looked at her and this is what he said. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he who believes in me, though he die. He shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked the most important question you'll ever answer. Do you believe this? Where you spend eternity, what happens to your soul, how you live the rest of your life on this earth depends on what you do with Jesus. And friends, y'all all know what happened. He went down to the tomb. (laughs) Jesus just wanted to show out a little bit. He said, roll the stone back. She said, Lord, I know you God, he was going to be stinking. He said, did I not say to believe and you would see the power of God? And she rolled the stone back and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus got up and walked out. Lots of people just think that's a crazy story, that that's something that we all just extremists brainwash ourselves with to give us a hope so that we won't fear death. Friend, I got you to tell you something. My hope's bigger than that. It's a living hope. It's inside of me. I've buried loved ones that I cared about. I know death's coming. I don't look forward to dying, but I ain't afraid of death. Amen? Amen? You can't scare me with heaven. And friends, I want you to think about this. There's a lot of people today who do not believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Well, the death of Jesus on the cross is hard for people to go against because it's one of the most documented historical events on the face of the earth. Even numerous unbelieving people, the Jews even admit he was crucified. They even admit he died. Now, they got all kinds of different theories on what happened to him, but they ain't no one ever conclusively proves the resurrection wrong. Jesus rose from the dead. And he promised every one of us who believe in him, who trust him, who repent of our sins, come to him as the be in our redeemer and let him redeem us and pay the price that we can't pay and make him our savior and Lord. And if we'll do that, he says he'll reconcile us so that when we do die, the grave won't hold us down. I love that song, boy sister sings it so good. I was tempted to ask her to sing it today. Ain't no grave gonna hold me down. Can I get an Amen. Because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, our hope is that we ain't staying in the grave. But you see, there's people even today and every day that has said the resurrection is not real. There is no resurrection. And I just want to close out before I give the invitation. And I want to share a verse with you. Paul said this, and we're going to close. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable if it's only in life during this church Sunday morning and life being a religious person, being a committed Christian and going to church and reading the Bible, if it's only in this life that we have hope in Christ, if there's not an afterlife hope, he said, of all men, we're the most pitiable. And he's tying it in context directly to the fact of the resurrection. And he's using the resurrection chapter, we call it. It's from 1 Corinthians 15, but listen to what he says. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of dead? There's some of you in here right now thinking that. I don't know if I believe that. You have a right not to believe it. You can choose. But listen what he says. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ did not rise. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. It ain't got nothing to bless us with. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, Paul said, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep and died in Christ have perished. And then he says that verse. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're the biggest fools on the planet, friends, for giving our whole life to serving Jesus. And friends, you could look and say, man, if you're wrong... (laughs) You wasted your life. You did all of that for nothing. I'm still better off than you. Because what did it do? It gave me hope. It gave me a hope. When my people die, I got hope. I'm not like you. I got a hope of a resurrection. I got hope of seeing them again. I got a word that just teaches the death, burial, and resurrection everywhere I look. I got a redeemer named Jesus who did it for me, paid the price. He reconciled me to God. How are you standing with God by saying you don't believe God? So I have that. I have the word of God to help me. I have church. I have brethren like me to support me. We all believe it. So even if it wasn't true, at the end, what have I lost? Nothing. But if I'm right and we're all right and Jesus rose from the dead and he is the redeemer, he is the one who can reconcile and you die not believing it, you lose everything all of eternity, separated from God, unredeemed, a slave of your choosing to reject Jesus and you'll live your whole life never experiencing Jesus ever again. Friends, I don't know about you. You can take the chance if you want to, but I say the biggest pitiable person on the planet is the one who can't believe it. I don't know about you, I just chose to believe it one day and God keeps showing me through little things that I know aren't a coincidence. God did this. He fixed my arm. I went fishing with him yesterday, throwed that rod all day and caught more fish than him. Amen. (laughs) No, I didn't catch more, but I caught the biggest one. And I I, I went home last night and I said, Jesus, thank you. If I'd have went through that surgery, you know what I'd been doing yesterday? I'll run the trolling motor for you, Jody. I'd have just got to go. You know, there's so many things that God does in our lives that you can't ever refute. I don't know about y'all, but I was a dope fiend. I was a, my mama called me a hellion. She called me the creature. Now they call me the preacher of the family. Friends, I want to tell you something. God changes things when he comes into your life. And right now, the devil wants to tell you, you can't change. Yes, you can. If you all have the faith and the courage to trust Jesus this morning, he has the grace and he has the love and the patience to get you to heaven. He'll save you, but you've got to choose him. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know of a better Sunday to get saved than Resurrection Sunday. I don't know of a better time to get born again than on Resurrection Day. And I'm going to invite some people in here this morning. You may be scared. Jesus was scared to go to the cross. He was so scared, he sweat drops of blood. He asked the Father numerous times, if there's any other way, That there's another cup, let me not have to drink of this cup of the cross. But in the end, Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he went to the cross, and he suffered for you. He died for you. He gave his life for you. He was shamed for you. Certainly, we can publicly say, I need a redeemer. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've been redeemed, you ought to be telling folks, I got saved. They ought to know you've been born again. They ought to know you love God. If you've been reconciled, you ought to bear fruit. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but there's a day coming where I'm going to get resurrected. I told Diane, I don't want to be cremated, not because I got anything against it, but I want to be put in the dirt because on that day, I want to kick a fuss. Amen. I'm coming out. Now, if they burn me, they may pour me in the lake. I don't know what they'll do with me. But I want to be exactly in a spot where I can leave a mark on resurrection day. Amen. And friends, I don't know about you, but the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first and then we'll all be together in the air. There is another life coming. I want to ask you, are you ready for it? This morning, it's as simple as this. If you're willing to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the grave and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. The Bible says you will be saved. It says, for we believe with our heart unto righteousness. What do you believe? That That's what it says in Romans 10 verse 9. You believe that God, Jesus is Lord and that he rose again. And then you confess with your mouth unto salvation. That's a public, Jesus save me. You will be saved. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Everyone, that includes you if you're not saved. I'm just going to ask you to forget about anything else except you and God, and if you want to be saved today, come right here and sit at this first pew. We're going to celebrate. We're going to all make Easter even that much better. If you can't do it now, when will you? If you're not willing to do it here, where will you do it? So I'm going to ask you to give your heart to Jesus this morning and trust him, and he will save your soul. And for those of us who are saved, man, we just want to pray and celebrate because I don't know about y'all. The resurrection is looking like a good way out of here. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have a song of invitation. If you need to come, you may not understand. I didn't understand it all when I came. I still don't understand it all, but I do know this. Jesus loved me enough to die for me, and he helped me. He put it on my heart. He drew me, and once I gave in and surrendered, oh, what a peace I found. Oh, what a, a place where I had never been before. The place where you're right with Jesus, where your sins are washed away, and your guilt and your shame, and the, uh, the greatest thing, your uncertainty, you're not knowing. You knew that, man, I know I my knower now that I'm going to be with God. That's what he offers you today. So I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to pray. And I'm believing there's someone going to come before we even get through the first song. So if you need to come today, today is your day. This is the day of salvation. I'm going to ask you to trust Jesus and come to him today. Father, I just thank you for this time today as we look at the glory of the cross, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, for what it did for us, the purpose, how it reconciled us with you. And, Lord, for the hope of the resurrection, not only one day going to be with you in heaven, but the power of that resurrection in our life, you in our heart. And, God, I know there's someone right now struggling. I understand and feel that fear. And I just pray that you'll help them to do just like you, Lord. Give all, to surrender all to you right now. Someone needs to be saved. Help them to make a commitment that comes forward this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need to come, come today. Today is your salvation.